0: Okay, so today I wanted to offer some reflections about control and just some of the remedies to what we can do to help let go of the control that we might be feeling. This is especially true if we have been through some form of trauma, especially childhood trauma. Okay, So this has been coming up for me quite a bit recently uh, in client sessions. And speaking to people, this idea of control. Now, what I've found is, you know, if we've been through trauma, we often become quite controlling, and this can be a real struggle, especially in relationships, because we try and control the other person, you know. And you could argue, say, if you've been to boarding school, this might come from what Nick Duffel calls the timetabling. You know, where got all of these petty rules that we've got to follow. I was talking to um, the educational psychologist, um, Isabel Ross is her pen name, uh, but Morag Edwards, and she was talking about all the petty rules. You know, you've got to follow all of these different things. So I feel once we leave, say, boarding school or if we've had a quite a traumatic upbringing, with parents who've been quite controlling with us, is that we carry that in, that carry that on. That's within us. It's in our unconscious. So what I want to do today is I just want to talk a little bit of what can we can do, and it's um, you know partly drawing from Buddhism, partly drawing from um, sports psychology. So first of all, um, if I just draw upon Nick Duffel's book here. Um, wounded leaders, and what he says is, in practice we can well imagine the little boy who has experienced his parents' care every day of his life so far may go into shock when being left by them in the confines of a huge unfamiliar institution. This threshold moment, aptly described by Simon Partridge, means that the little boy soon realizes that he cannot in any way control his new environment. The next logical step is to control himself. The first thing to deal with is his evident fear at being alone and his sad feelings that go along with it, commonly known as homesickness. He has no other choice but to repress these feelings and to refuse to identify himself as one who has such emotions, because to be seen feeling these things would make him vulnerable amongst the other little boys who are busy toughening up. So it's that idea of control. He has to learn to control himself. So I just see that, you know, we are often, you know, you know, we can be very controlling. Very, we've got to do things in a certain way. And I can see I I'm still like that. Um, so also in this book here. Um, Trauma Recovery by Dr. Judith Herman, the psychiatrist. She talks very similarly about this idea of, of, you know, captivity, which obviously, you know, boarding school or if you've been in, you know, a family, which is very traumatic. She says here, a single traumatic event can occur almost anywhere. Prolonged, repeated trauma, by contrast, occurs only in circumstances of captivity. As Joyce Chavron says, the ABCD. The C of Boarding School Syndrome is captivity. When the victim is free to escape, she will not be abused a second time. Repeated trauma occurs only when the victim is a prisoner, unable to flee and under the control of the perpetrator. So, Captivity which brings the victim into prolonged contact with the perpetrator creates a special type of relationship. One of coercive control. So it's this idea that when we've been controlled as children, then we then, you know, we want to control others. So as Peter Levine says in an insidious way, trauma contributes to the motives and drives of our behavior. What this means is the man who was hit as a child will feel compelled to hit as the adult. So if we've been controlled, coercive control as a child, if we've been controlled as a child will feel compelled to control as an adult. So what can we do? What can we do if we are, oh yeah, I try and control everything. Um, First thing, and this comes from, from Buddhism. um, This is the Four Noble Truths. And it's this idea that the first noble truth is there is suffering. So the first one is, okay, I'm controlling. Um, The second noble truth is, you know, say, for example, there's something that's bothering you. Someone keeps leaving a, a dish uh, or a plate in the in the washing up bowl. And it's like there's suffering. Yeah. First noble truth is there is suffering. Second noble truth is there is a cause of this suffering. And what they call in Pali, tanha, tanha, which means craving. It means I really am annoyed. It's like that craving. I don't want that to happen. Um, and often this is very strong for us as trauma survivors. It's like, yeah, we, we just feel this trigger point. So that's the second noble truth. But there's also the craving of, I really want something. I see someone very beautiful. I want them. Or I, I see that, um, that cake. I've got to have it. That's also another form of the, the contra- um, you know, craving, that control. The third noble truth is the path to the end of suffering, um, and that is this idea of letting go. So how that might look is, you know, this is the way it is. So if we look at this idea with the washing up, this is the way it is. People sometimes don't leave washing up. This is the way it is, letting go of, got to control. Um, Again, with someone with a cake we really want, again, it's this idea of this is the way it is, you know, I have desire for that. It's, you know, it's not out of balance, it's kind of rebalancing ourselves. So hopefully that makes sense, but essentially this idea of bringing mindfulness. Another aspect of the third noble truth is this idea that everything that arises ceases. You know, this idea of change, what they call in Pali Anicca, impermanence. So while I might crave or really be angry now, it's going to change. So it's not to get lost in that feeling. So that's the first thing which is really helpful for control. The second thing comes from sports psychology. And it's from a book I've been reading recently about high performance. Uh, And also a sports coach called Brian Kane. And it's this idea of, you know, creating a list. So you've got a, uh, a list, line across the top, line down the middle on one side, write down the things you can control in your life, yeah? Especially if there's this thing with the, you know, say for example, the sink. And then on the other side, the things you can't control. So write those things down. And I recommend pausing this writing down those things in your life which you're, you know, you can control or you can't control. Okay, so what you'll find is there's actually very little we can control, but most of us spend 95% of our awareness on that which we cannot control. So in the example of the, the bowl in the washing up, that might be, um, you know, on the uncontrolled. I can't control whether they put that in there or not. I can't control the weather. I can't control what someone else says about me. I can't control what someone else thinks about me. And there's so many things that, ah, these are the things I I can't control. So we take our power back and we move back to the other side, which is very similar to Buddhism in this idea of, you know, letting go. And we said about the third noble truth is this is the way it is come back to what can I be aware of, what can I control my breathing, I can control my breathing, I can control my physical posture and my kind of collapse which shows that makes us feel depressed if we've got a collapsed posture, whereas we've got an open posture, Stanford, I think it was Harvard University did a study that by just holding this posture for three minutes, especially if you do the Superman pose or the Wonder Woman pose, that increases endorphins by 30%, decreases uh, cortisol by about 25%. So just changing the body posture. I can control that. Some of the other things are things like our effort. We can control how much effort we put into something. So like, oh yeah, I can really, if I'm working out, I really give my all to it. Um, Some of the other things are, you know, presence. How present am I being? Am I just on my phone? You know, those are other things we can control. Um, And another thing is like energy. It's like, right, I can control what I eat, how I move um, and how I sleep as well. So it's like, right, I can get to bed early. These things. So just some of these things, it's like, for me that really starts to break the attachment to this control, I've got to control everything. And one of the key teachings of how to do that is the third aspect is meditation. And if we just sit, focus on our breathing, focus on our bodies, every time the mind wanders we come back, it's that letting go and when we train ourselves in our meditation, then in the day when we're trying to control the uncontrollable, we can bring ourselves back because we've trained ourselves in our meditation to bring ourselves back to our breath, to our meditation object. So this is a really powerful practice. So yeah, just some ideas and thoughts there. Um, Yeah, just just seeing that uh, as I've been speaking with people this last week. So yeah, my interview with Morag Edwards will be going live next Friday. This Friday I have an interview with Sam Adams talking about rewilding yourself, about nature and the importance of connecting to nature. And next week we've got our retreat for the documentary. So four days we're filming. So kind of excited and a little nervous, so um, yeah, that's uh, that's what's happening. So. Take care. I hope this has been helpful. As always, if this is uh, useful, please do comment below. If you have any questions, let me know. Okay, take care.